Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense. Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you on this beautiful morning in the neighborhood here in Northwest Arkansas. We've had a couple of really cool sunny days. What a great time to be out there working, getting jobs done, and enjoying life, every precious moment of life. I'd like to begin today's broadcast in prayer because we are going to have an interview with Brian and Kathy Gray, our friends that we met when they were missionaries in Honduras. They went back to Hawaii. They've thus traveled to Tennessee, and we're going to catch up on their life story and what God is doing in their lives here in just a moment, but first a word of prayer. So, Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for all the good things that you do in our lives. We thank you for your favor and that all of your favor was wrapped up into the grace of your son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you that Jesus, the great gift of divine favor, unmerited favor is upon the lives of those who call upon your name. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your divine energy and your divine power. I thank you that in this hour you are assisting the wise virgins in getting their golden oil in their lamps. Lord, we thank you for the days that we are living in. We thank you for pulling away the veil to clear our minds to take away confusion, to see things through your perspective, to see things by your spirit. We take authority over these airwaves right now. We bind and rebuke every demonic spirit that would make war against the purposes of God. Father, we thank you that right now you would drive the enemy away like smoke is driven by the wind and that you would remove the works of the enemy against your people in Jesus' name. 
Father, we stand before you in fear and trembling, honor and respect. And Father God, we just ask you to help us do our job. And now bless every person, heal every person. Let there be a great reversal in the spiritual realm. And let your people arise and shine, for their light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon them. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon his people and the glory shall be revealed in them. I ask your blessing to assist every individual with whatever struggles they may be going through. Lord, that you'll give them an inner quality of rest and peace, that they'll be established and not moved by the winds of adversity around them, that you will direct them through the darkness, through this moment, through the struggle, and that you'll show them the light at the end of the tunnel, and that they will break forth and break through into the purpose that you have allowed these things to come upon their lives. So we plead the blood of Jesus over ourselves, over our ministry, over our churches, over our family, over our friends. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that the enemy, that the strategic or the strategic movement of the enemy will be thwarted in Jesus' name, that divine intelligence would undermine the satanic intelligence, and Lord God, that you will save souls by the work that we are doing. We pray for the salvation of souls and even our enemies. We bless them. We do good to them. We love our enemies. And we ask you, Lord, to save every soul of the enemies of the cross today. Turn them around in Jesus' name that their eternal souls would be in heaven and not in hell. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So today, Brian and Kathy are going to be calling in from Tennessee. And we're going to have a great conversation. It's been several weeks since we have heard from them. And I want to make sure that they uh, are able to get into the broadcast and join us. So happy, uh, what is it, Wednesday today? Happy Wednesday today. And we are absolutely learning some incredible lessons as we move forward in this life. Um, I am just very passionate uh, for freedom like you are. Uh, very passionate for the liberty and the freedom that comes from Jesus Christ, not from man-made government. Uh, there is a greater liberty than, you know, just governmental allowances of things. Uh, we, we have, we're, we're jealous for our freedom. Uh, we're jealous because we know that as believers, we are the greatest citizens that this world has ever known. There will not be, for a true believer, there will not be a better citizen on this planet and because I know that true believers, they don't do anything against their neighbor. We don't steal. We don't commit adultery. We don't lie. We don't bear false witness. We don't cheat. We don't move the, the boundaries. We are the best people that this planet has ever known because of Jesus Christ. And I just love and am passionate and jealous for the good people of this planet to be able to move and operate without restriction and control of man-made government. And uh, man-made government is fine. There's always been some, but not to the, uh, the purpose of restriction and control and oppression. And we know biblically that the Bible actually teaches that that kind of government is coming all over the world to the degree you will not be able to buy or sell without their approval, without the mark of the beast. And this is going to put people in a very precarious condition. And so I am an advocate of the body of Christ moving right now swiftly, quickly, 
getting in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now, recognizing not because of what the world is saying, but because of what the word is saying. And when we look through the word of God at the signs of the times, we understand that there is something coming on this earth that is a dread evil. We call him the Antichrist, the son of perdition. We call him uh, all kinds of names that the Bible has attributed to this beast, uh, this little horn. Um, this is the Antichrist, and the move is being made globally. We get that. We see that. It's everywhere. And so we need to use our liberty to accelerate our preparation to make sure that everything is ready so that when this time comes, we will be out in front of it and we won't be caught in the snare. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, Jesus said, like a snare, it will come upon the whole world. And what was Jesus referring to? He was talking about a trap, that the people on the earth will get caught in a trap. What is that trap? It is satanic governmental control that will control every movement of your life. We already know that they are monitoring us. We already know that they are watching us. We already know that they are hearing us. They already have algorithms all set up to tell us through technology who we are, that we don't even have enough common sense to know who we are anymore. They're going to choose our identity for us. This is the hubris of man's pride. It is satanic, 666, no doubt about it. And so we're here, and the idea that we're all just going to vanish away one day um, is not plan A. Plan A is get ready and prepare for what you see coming upon the earth. Remember, in the days of Noah, God didn't say, I'm going to flood the earth. Noah, go wait over here on a rock, and all of a sudden you're going to disappear. I'm going to get you out of here when I'm going to do, flood the earth. He said, no, you need to build an ark. You need to prepare yourself. He didn't tell Lot, hey, Lot, just chill out in your house. I'm going to wipe out the wicked, and then you can come out the front door, and everything's going to be okay. He said, Lot, you need to go, and you need to get up into the mountains or over into the city here, and you need to, you need to cooperate with what I'm telling you to do. The two examples that Jesus used about the last days in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Lot and the days of Noah. Those are the two examples he said it would be like in the last days. Neither one of those examples afforded a pre-tribulational rapture to get people to disappear off the planet. What they did was warn people. Lot unfortunately lingered. And he wound up leaving and going into the mountains with nothing but his two daughters were the only survivors. His wife turned around and turned into a pillar of salt through her disobedience and affection for the things of this world. And then up in the mountains, his daughters want boys or children, so they wind up sleeping with their father, and it didn't work. Lingering doesn't work. And so there are a lot of lingering saints today that need to be quickened and activated. And my question is, how many more signs do you need to see? How many more things need to happen to prove to you? But they happen so subtly, and the enemy lies about them. And, and he uses people to tell people, uh, don't worry, we got a lot of time, everything's going to be all right. And this is the seduction that is leading multitudes of people into a snare. And once you're caught in it, man, how you survive that is another story. I do not want to be caught in the snare. I want to be outside of it. I want to be one of those churches in the book of Revelation, like the church of Philadelphia. It says that they would be spared from the cataclysmic events that are coming on the world. 
He said, I will keep you from the hour of temptation that shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the whole earth. Well, I want to be kept by God. I want to be in a Goshen. I want to be in an ark. I want to be in a city of refuge. I want to be in the right place at the right time and prepared. Then, if I wake up one day and we happen to all get raptured, and, you know, that was the story, which I do not believe at all, um, but, you know, before all this negativity comes in, praise God, I've lost nothing. But if people refuse to prepare and get ready for what is coming, I believe a great deal of control is coming. I really believe it. And even in sanctuary cities and places where, you know, we had more freedom to move and less uh, oppressive governmental control, those areas, because of the spirit of the satanic one, is going to continue to grow and encroach into areas that were once, you know, easy to get along with, and things are going to get a little bit more difficult. Now, I'm learning this as we go, and I'm seeing how that works. And yet, right now, uh, as my friend Daryl said the other day, you know, get things done now that you need to get done now so that when that time comes where you can't do anything, um, you'll be able to get through it a little bit better. So I kind of sound like I'm rambling here today, but that's okay. So I'm waiting for Brian and Kathy to give us a call all the way from Tennessee. I need to know how they're doing, and I believe I have them on the line. Let me take this call right now. First of all, say good morning, Brian and Kathy. Are you there today? Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. Well, good morning to you both. How are you? We are very good. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Well, praise the Lord. It's been a while since we've heard from you, and I am so thankful that you're with us today. I feel like God has a very special purpose for your being on the air today. Let us know, how's it going in Tennessee? What is God showing you? Where are, where are we from the prophetic, uh, the prophetic word of God? Where do you see us at, Brian and Kathy? Uh, just greet everybody today, say hello, and let's begin to speak into these things. Well, Brian wants me to start. So good morning, everybody. We love you and we miss you. And, um, yeah, uh, one thing is God just showed me, like, I feel like I've been born again, again, through the Old Testament, through the, uh, a revelation of the Feast of the Lord. <laughs> oh, it's hallelujah. Been, yeah, I've never seen it open up like this. And, you know, I always thought that the um, – the feasts of the Lord were for the Jewish people, and I shrugged it off. I didn't want to be one of those wannabe Jewish Christians. And, you know, I never really um, understood it. Although, you know, I respect and appreciate what you guys do in the Feast of Tabernacles, because that is, like, one of my favorites. And um, But I just, uh, a friend here had showed me deeper into the scriptures, or maybe it was just the timing of the Lord, because you've gone through it quite a bit. But it was Genesis 1.14 that opened up me, and I just fell off my chair. And I've just been weeping because out of repentance of not recognizing it, you know. And um, it's just been amazing. And um, I just can't believe that. And I've tried to share it with others, and they just look at me like, like a deer in headlights and go, oh, you know. But um, it's just phenomenal that um, God was reaching out to us before he even made man. He set up the calendars for the appointed, he set up the stars and the lights, you know, for the appointed time that I want to meet with you. And we're going to do this, you know, three times a year. And yeah, you know, and, and I was just blown away, just the love of God that just showed me how much God is so 
wanting to meet with us from the very beginning before he even created man. And I just, you know, just repented for blowing this off and repented and in, in intercessory prayer for it, for God's people. And um, I don't know. I And it's just things have, have uh, shifted in my prayer life. And I can see things more where God's working here in the people here with just very subtly just having his way in, lot, in the way, um, in the spirit, in the kingdom realm, you know. And uh, it's just, all I can say is that it's as big as being born again, next to be being saved when I got knocked down by a lightning bolt and got up as a whole different person. And um, it's just been phenomenal. So I just commend you and thank you for teaching these feasts. And I'm just so excited going ahead. And um, even though it's later, later we're in the end times, but I still have today and <clears throat> to celebrate, you know, so... Praise God. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Kathy, let's go into it just a little bit, okay? Because I think what you're on to mm-hmm. is really important because the feast of the Lord belonged to the economy of God. This is part of God's economy. When we're born again, even though we're in the New Testament, we're born again, we're accepted, we don't know anything, but we're brought in to the kingdom of God, and we learn the economy of God. And when we see these feasts as being from God and not from the Jewish people or for the <laughs> Jewish people, they were for humanity on the, on the fourth day of creation. So today, just continuing on in the theme, is the 11th day. It began last night at sunset, the 11th day of the counting of the Omer. And connected Mm -hmm. to the Feast of Passover, connected to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, connected to the Feast of First Fruits, which we've just celebrated and gone through, God said to begin a count. Today is the 11th day. At sunset tonight will be the 12th day. There is a blessing that you could recite every single day. And if you don't, you can catch up on the blessing as you go. We're going to be uh, doing that on Saturday when we regather at New Wine Ministries. We're taking a little sabbatical from all of our gatherings every day, but we're going to be urgent about getting back on track next week. So this is the 11th day, and our expectation is that by the time we get to the 49th day, the seven weeks of seven, and that next great feast of Shavuot comes, that the 15th Mm -hmm. day, which is our Pentecost, Um, there is going to be a great blessing. In other words, there will be a harvest of what people participated in spiritually, solically, physically uh, during the Feast of Passover, First Fruits, and Unleavened Bread. So today is the 11th day. I would encourage everybody to get involved in the count, the expectation, what is ahead of Mm -hmm. us. And that barley grain offering will turn into a wheat harvest. And uh, there's some great things ahead for the people of God who operate in the economy of heaven which when you think about it, the economy of the world could shake and be broken at any time. I mean, we're talking $30 trillion debt right now within our nation. I know people don't talk about it. They do, but it's like, that doesn't make any sense. But when things collapse in the world, God promises those who have learned the economy of the kingdom of heaven, they will continue. And part of that economy is what we're celebrating in the Feast of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And yeah, Oh, you know, and uh, the leaven, like we're in the uh, the feast of unleavened bread, correct? That's- we we finished it, we got through it, but yes, we did celebrate that for seven days. Okay, so the counting of the Omar is what. Yeah, um, we're the Omar. Now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're eleven days it's into like, it. Uh huh. Up to Pentecost. Up to Pentecost. Yeah. 
that's that's beautiful. Yeah, and I, I've read like um, the prayers that they say. It's the same prayer, correct? Every day. Well, it, it it is pretty much the same prayer. But here's one of the great blessings, and I, I just want to put this part in there. It's in Exodus chapter 23, and we have encouraged people here because there's a mystery. There's a mystery here, and it's it's an incredible mystery. And so, uh, Brian and Kathy, if you just give a minute, and then, you know, we've got plenty of time. We'll turn this through. But uh, in, in light of the feast, when we look at Exodus chapter 23, and it says in verse 14, three times you shall keep a feast unto me in the year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread, which is Passover and first fruits. Uh, thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded you, in the time appointed of the month of Bebe. For in it you came out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, which is the, the feast that's coming before us, the first fruits of your labors, which is uh, what we call Shavuot or Pentecost, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is the feast of tabernacles in the end of the year, when you have gathered in your labors out of the field. Now, here's the awesome reality. This is what people could be praying every single day if they chose to. It is in verse 20, where on, on, and you have to watch the flow to keep the, you know, the consistency of what's going on here. The Lord's talking about the feast. He's talking about the people bringing their offerings to the feast. This was important to the economy of Israel. It's important today. And so he says now, with that flow, without manipulating the word, this is what he says. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. So in other words, God's saying, as you honor me in the feasts, as you honor me, I'm going to send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you to the place which I have prepared. That means destiny for the people of God, that God's spirit, God's angel, his Passover angel is what we're going to see this is, he actually was guiding the people of Israel. And he was there to make sure that they arrived at their destination, that the place that God had prepared for them was going to be met. They were going to arrive. And it says in 21, beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you shall indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto your enemies and an adversary unto your adversaries. For my angels shall go before you and bring you in unto the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. So people are, are, are dwelling in the place that God's people belong in. And God says, if you follow me, if you obey me, I'll bring you to your place of destiny. And there may be Canaanite nations there, but I will cut them off and bring you to occupy in the place they have been occupying. This is a great blessing. Verse 24, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. So God's people, remaining separated unto the Lord, have nothing to do with the godless altars of the heathen. Verse 25, and you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you, and there shall nothing cast their young nor be barren in the land. The number of your days I will fulfill. So here, now we know this is already paid in full. Jesus Christ, the shedding of blood, 
we know it's fulfilled in him. We're talking about the feast of the Lord. And think about, we're under a better covenant with better promises. But in this covenant, God was saying, I'll take sickness away from you. I'll bless your food supply. I'll bless your water supply. I'll be an enemy to your enemy, an adversary to your adversaries. I'll go before you. I'll route out the people that are occupying where you belong. I'll make sure you arrive at your destiny. I mean, these are all connected to the offering. Yeah. So when we celebrate it in the new covenant, and we're, and we're just participating in something that began before man was ever on the earth, well, this is something we can begin to, you know, pray in and say, Lord, look at this. Look at this. This is supposed to be a great blessing here. Now, here's the mystery, and then I'll stop. There's more of the blessing as you read through that, but I want to go to Acts chapter 12. And in Acts chapter 12, this is incredible because here the apostles are involved. The church is involved. And just look what happens here to Peter. They had already killed James with the sword. They were getting ready to kill Peter. But there was something going on. And what was it? So Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter, which if you look up the word Easter in the Greek, it's Pesach. It's literally talking about mm-hmm. Passover. So intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Well, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So what is Passover? The first Passover, the children of Israel were in the house of bondage in Egypt. It was prison. Here we have Peter, thousands of years later, he's sitting in a prison during Passover. And then it says in verse 6, when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird yourself, bind on your sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, cast your garment about thee and follow me. Now, what's, what's come to him? An angel. Well, we already know Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. We already know. But there's an angel visiting him now during Passover. You go back to Exodus 23. I will send my angel before you to keep you in the way. Peter's destination was not to die in a prison. And so God is sending his Passover yeah. angel. And what does he do in verse 9? It says he went out and followed him. He wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leads unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. They went out, they passed on through one street, and forth with the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel, the Passover angel, and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. In other words, I will bring you to your destination. I will be an enemy to your enemies. Did not let Peter fail during the Passover season. So my encouragement to the body of Christ who celebrate the feast, 
get into this, receive these things. Know that the angels of God are on your behalf. You honored the Lord during his feast. He loves to be with us during the feast. So having said that, Brian, Kathy, go ahead and speak into that or go in any direction you'd like. <laughs> it's just amazing because I, I think, you know, just having this set up in, in Genesis 1.14 and then everything, the whole theme through the Bible that now we're in Acts, dealing with the same thing that God's, you know, the appointed time and, uh, and the season and everything. It's just like, this is how, I mean, just, it's just amazing. I think that um, it's just the beginning of how, for me, how God is going to lead us and show us everything. And just my faith has been built. Um, my eyes have been opened more that um, just, it's just only by Holy Spirit that he's opening up my eyes to this. And what you just showed me is mind-blowing. And um, if we really honor those, which it starts in the heart, you know, if we understand that it, it's not about eating food necessarily. It's about meeting with God face-to-face, you know, with these appointments. Yes, there's going to be food in the feast, and that's really, you know, that's part of it because we're human. So he he set it up that, you know, he's going to meet with us and you're going to do these feasts and you're going to eat and stuff. But it's really, um, first and foremost, it's in the spirit. And we will meet together and have these feasts. But, like, like the angel, you know, everything he says is just getting revealed. And, and um, it's by Holy Spirit revealing these things to you. And thank God you're sharing them with us because, you know, I'm just like, how come my Jewish friends never told me this? before you know how come they didn't take me to genesis 1 14 you know and and then all the rest and connect it we got a little book now that's showing us just everything is pointing to jesus you know and it's just mind-boggling but you know and um and he's taking us forward you know because amen yeah it's it's his word is alive he is alive and and we're walking on this earth he hasn't forgotten us just because passover ends or or uh the feast of tabernacles ends at that time, you know, it's just like, he's just speaking to us all the time, you know, and it's, uh, it's amazing with revelation. Are we listening? Do we see it? You know? And, um, yeah. Hey, Kathy, what if God at the very beginning of time on the fourth day of creation, when he set all these things in motion about the moeds and the gatherings and the assemblies and all the great stuff that we're talking about feast days, he literally, that's in the, in the definition of the moed. What if God was saying, okay, here's what I'm going to do three times a year. I'm going to gather these people together to celebrate my feast. And in each feast, I'm going to reveal to them a measure of who I am. So during the feast of Passover, he reveals himself as the son, Jesus, the lamb of God, the shedding of the blood. Everything about Passover was about kill the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost. It's all about the blood. So this is a revelation of the Trinity, if you will, or the deity of God. And the first part is the revelation of his son. 50 days later, God says, okay, now I'm going to reveal to them another aspect of who I am, my spirit. For God is a spirit and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So God's Holy Spirit is now being celebrated and people could look at him and say, wow, this feast is all about this Holy Spirit, who God is. First, Jesus, who is God. Now the Holy Spirit who is God, another aspect. And then he brings us to tabernacles where all of a sudden it's about the Father. So we have in the feast the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, unveiled, revealed, 
to people, but you got to take away the outward form of things, get into the spiritual aspect of it. And before you know it, that's the whole redemption story, that this is God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, revealed to the nations of the earth, his creation, in the Feast of the Lord and how things would work. So, again, the spectacular counsel and mind of God Almighty that he would reveal himself to whoever is seeking after him to understand these things. Go ahead. Or your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. It's all there. It's it's all there. And the and then the fact that, you know, that they've all been fulfilled in Jesus and he fulfilled them except for tabernacles, you know, and of course they're saying that that's the only one that Jesus hasn't actually fulfilled. So they're expecting him to come back during the Feast of Tabernacles. And um, so, and then like you were saying, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and what I've understood is that the um, the Feast of Passover gives us peace with God. The Feast of Pentecost gives us the power to walk this out, the Holy Spirit. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, we get to rest because it is finished, you know. And, um, I mean, there's so many messages there. So as we gather every year, you know, and and uh, because God said, I'm going to be here, come here, and I'm going to speak with you, and I'm going to reveal more to you, then more and more is revealed. And he's going to walk us through, and are we paying attention? And, um there's just so many details in this. Have you heard of um, Dr. Richard Booker? No. Okay. Well, that was just a book that um, Brian ordered, an author who authored an amazing book, Revealing Jesus, Celebrating the Feast While Revealing Jesus um, in the Biblical Feast. And um, anyway, it was, uh, that's how, we're getting a lot of details condensed all at once through that book. And I don't know if he's still alive, but um, God had revealed like 40 years ago, he was he was uh, um, living in Texas in the oil business, and somebody at his job said, hey, do you want to come to our Bible study? He goes, oh, okay. He considered himself a believer, but obviously he didn't even have a Bible. So he goes, well, if I'm going to go to a Bible study, I'm going to go to a, a um, I better get a Bible. So he went and got a Bible, and he opened it to Leviticus out of all books, and he started reading Leviticus. And uh, God just downloaded the importance of the feast to him. And he said he couldn't walk for three days. He had to crawl. He ended up, he quit his job and they've been in ministry, him and his wife, for 40 years telling people about this. And um, anyway, it, it's like, he has a theological degree, but he says he has the gift to explain it to the layman. And then he does. He's very, very humble. But anyway, and uh, it's just another teacher like you that has the revelation of, um, of the importance of these. And I am just, blown away like how many I don't know like all of my Christian friends none of them really do it celebrate it and um, that's why I've just gone into repentance and prayers like my goodness it's so so important and you know look up for the um, your redemption draws near and God is when Jesus comes back it's it's all tied in there's a couple days that that well I don't even want to get into it because I don't have it clearly down the feast of trumpets maybe Brian you could say something with that well, yeah, the Feast of Trumpets and the the the, um, the 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 idea that Jesus comes like a thief in the night, and the fact that the uh, that the Feast of Trumpets is on the new moon, and nobody knows exactly when the new moon is, and that's why it's like I think this year the Feast of Trumpets is September twenty second to the twenty third, and whenever the new moon actually appears, that's the Feast of Trumpets. But then there would be a watchman waiting for the to declare when the uh, uh, 
um, mm-hmm. when the new moon came. And if he fell asleep, they would, they would, I guess, I think it would be a priest or somebody would go and light their clothes on fire just enough to burn them off so that they'd be shamed that they, they'd fallen asleep when they were supposed to be watching. Again, like wow. Jesus told his, his apostles and uh, his disciples in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and and he said he would come like a Jesus said he would come like a thief in the night. The person that would come and light the guy's fire, uh, uh, the one who fell asleep on fire, would be the uh, they called him the thief in the night, you know. And so yeah, I mean there's, there's so much there's there's so many things, and you know every time every time I get to a place where you know we've been studying a lot of prophets and the false prophecies and the end times and everything else like that and. And here we are. God throws the, you know, a deep revelation of, of, of His feast, and you know, Genesis of uh, the Moed in Genesis one fourteen, and then the Migra in in uh, Leviticus twenty three. And I'm just like, okay, I don't really know anything. <laughs> coming back, to life. I start to think I get my head wrapped around around the will of God and His plan and everything, and then He takes me deeper, and I find out, oh my goodness, you know, there's there's just there's so much more, and um, yeah, and so like. You know, Kathy has more time than I do now because because I have this job working with these like really traumatized, troubled boys. You know, and so I, I'm busy trying to pay attention to what God is is showing me in the midst of what I'm doing. You know, and and, and I work with. I mean, some of these boys that I work with, they're basically like snapping turtles. You know, anything you try to give them, they try to take your hand off <laughs> in the process. And um, and we we have this this. Uh, Oh, we got a couple kids that have have been through really, really rough stuff, gang-related stuff and everything. We got this one boy who's just like, I mean, he has got to be, on the external, he has got to be literally probably the nastiest human being that I have ever encountered in my life. I mean, he is, there is not a word that comes out of his mouth that isn't an expletive. He doesn't care what anybody does to him. We have these, we have these, things we call them groundings where they have to sit at a table during you know for for 24 hours and they don't get the we don't count the time while they're sleeping so it takes about it takes about two and a half days if they don't have any infractions to to be able to serve out their grounding and they can write and they can read but they can't talk to anybody and, th- and this kid just like he just does not care about anything you know and he threatens us he tried to stab me with a pencil and dropped it and he threatened to kick me in my face if i picked it up and 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 um you know, and most of the staff is just like they've absolutely had it with them. And I have like this, I love this kid. <laughs> and it's like he is, and so I just like no matter what he says to me, it's like I've just, God's given me this supernatural grace to be absolutely, completely, totally unperturbed by anything that he says or does. And, um, and I don't react to it or anything. And so slowly, slowly over the course of the last couple of days, he's like started to open up to me and um, you know, he shared just stories of just the most horrific trauma, like trying to rescue his, uh, his um, mother who was being beaten by her boyfriend and he grabbed a baseball bat. He was just a young kid. He's only 15 now. He's just a young kid. And he, and he, uh, he attacked a guy that was beating his mother with a baseball bat and she turned around and prosecuted him, you know, and called the police on him and, and prosecuted him for, for battery. And, uh, you know, he, he watched his aunt uh, commit suicide in front of him. She shot herself in the chest and slit her wrist. And he was 12 years old when he watched that, you know. And he's just got all these stories of this, this horrific trauma. And you've got this kid who's just like literally just a, like he's, a, he's like a snapping turtle. And, and um, 
you know, and then God just gave me a revelation of just that in comparison to his holiness, this is what we look like to him. And I'm not talking about the people that are just in, in perfect sin and everything else like that. I'm mean, doing horrible sins and things like that. But I'm talking about believers in, in the church, so-called believers in the church. This is what we look like to him. You know, as we defy his laws, as we minimize things, as we say, oh, well, this isn't that really important and this is not really a big deal. And, and, um, and it's just the fact that it's like the only thing that is going to save this kid is if the spirit of God falls on him and gives him the gift of repentance, you know. And it's like it's really what we need to be, we need to be praying for with the church because it's, it is so much, there's so much leaven, you know. There's the, the Feast of Leaven where we're supposed to be cleaning out the leaven in our lives and our houses and things like that. And it's, and it's a, so we've got the leaven of, of Herod and we've got the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, that, that Jesus talked about, I think it's the Mark eight and, and Matthew 16. And, you know, and the leaven of Herod to me is like, I interpret that as just the world period, you know, just the worldliness. But the leaven of the, of the Herod and the Pharisees is, it's the religious, you know, bickering and, 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 and infighting and stuff like that and vying for power and position and celebrity and all these things. And it's the, and, but it's also the political leaven, you know, all this stuff. I, I'm, I'm it's like, I, it boggles my mind that we still have this, have these people that they think Trump is still going to come in and save the world, you know, and they're talking about, Oh, well, the Durham trial and Hillary Clinton is, she's going to prison and they're going to Guantanamo Bay and this, and, and it's just, just like, what are you doing? And there's so much leaven and we have, and even just the spirit of witchcraft, Kathy and I were, were talking about it this morning. You know, we have, a, you know, this, is, this stream that we have here is there, there's a tendency towards, like, the false prophecies, the prophetic words, the, 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 the doctrines of demons and the tickling of ears and things like that. And everybody's looking for a word for themselves, and everybody's looking for an interpretation of their dream to hear what God is saying about them. And... Um, you know, it, it's it's literally a, a spirit of witchcraft because I, the way I interpret witchcraft, like it, it says in Samuel, Second Samuel 15, you know, the spirit of rebellion is as a spirit of witchcraft. But when I think about, like, you know, what is rebellion? Why do people rebel? People rebel because they want control. And, you know, the spirit of witchcraft, I, I believe the Lord showed me, is like the essence of it, the root of it is a, is a desire to control. And, and pharmakia, you know, which is which is sorcery, is also the attempt. You know, you're t- trying to put something in you, essentially a substance, to try to uh, a medication, yeah, to to control your state of mind, to control your emotions. And so it's like man trying to control other men, men trying to control themselves, control their lives, and and it, it's all witchcraft. And what we need to do is submit ourselves to God and really repent and really get into His Word, because when you're just looking at these feasts, it's like my goodness, it's like it's like, I totally, Genesis 1.14, I never knew that. And it just blows my mind. And it's just like, Lord, forgive us. It's like, we need to understand what's written in your word more. That's the most important thing that we have right now and to apply that to our lives. And the answer is in his word. Yeah. Nowhere else. Nowhere else, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, your story about that young man, I, I'm sure that touched many hearts. I, that's that's an incredible story. That's a lot of pain. That's a lot of anger. That's a lot of hurt uh, for someone to be carrying around. And yet your unconditional love that God put in your heart for him confirms, number one, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. That one young man could become something great in this world. And yet the enemy would, you know, try, is trying to destroy him. And yet the spirit of God is working in a greater power 
to destroy the works of the devil in his life so that God can bring him to his purpose and destiny. That's, that's an incredible story. And unfortunately, the world is filled with these things. But you and Kathy, you're out there doing the work. You're intervening. Uh, this is wonderful. Even while we're talking about end time prophetic biblical events, uh, we're talking about keeping the feast of the Lord, what it means to be a Christian, working out our salvation. And um, yet you're involved in doing what you're doing. It's such an admirable thing. Um, all right, let's take it. You know, one of the things as we were talking, Ronnie, Kathy, and I'll turn this over to you. I keep seeing in our conversation for some reason, separation, separation. And yet you're not separated. You're involved in a ministry where there's people that you're working with, but you are separated under the Lord while you're doing it. I, I keep getting this sense that the body of Christ needs to learn how to come out of her a little bit more while doing the work. You know, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, right? And, I, and just speaking yeah. to that, do you, anything about separation that you're seeing that the ecclesia would begin to operate and function as an independent body on the earth, interacting, saving souls, being light, being salt, but also not depending so much upon the world system for their sustenance, depending on God who gave all things. Can we speak into that just a little bit? Well, that is definitely um, something, you know, I, I go to intercessory prayer with um, with a group a couple times a week, and that is huge. It's just reoccurring, reoccurring, reoccurring. Every, that's what he's doing. It's separating us, and it's like um, first in the spirit and uh Come out of her, my people. Everything you've said already, it's just exactly the scriptures God's been highlighting in prayer and interceding, you know, during prayer time. And that's what he's doing. He's calling us to, you know, cut yourself off from the world. You know, we are in a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, you know. And uh, we have a king. He's got his government set up. And that's where we need to operate from, you know, in the spirit. Yeah, Jesus isn't, we're not in the millennial reign now. So don't get me wrong, but we are operating by these spiritual principles now because yes. God has has accomplished what he needed to do as far as sending his son and redeeming us. And uh, the kingdom of heaven is hand. The kingdom of heaven is within, you know. And so we are to, you know, if, well, how can we live with one foot in the kingdom of the world and one foot in the kingdom of heaven? A house divided will not stand against itself. And we need to put both of our feet in one or the other, make a decision, Amen. you know. And if we are are not standing with both feet in the kingdom, one or the other kingdom, then the devil is going to come and destroy you. And so it's it's definitely breaking off. And, um, you know, that leaven, I believe, you know, he says, clean your house of leaven. And he says to use a, a little feather, you know. That means, like, we're going to go into the deep recesses of our, our inner being. Where are we holding out? And um, cleaning out the leaven, the ways of the world. Because come out of her, my people, the ways of Egypt. He needed to bring these people out of Egypt. That, was, that represented the world. And, and so sin comes from the world, the degenerated man, the unregenerated man. And, and so, you know, you can call it sin. You can call it come out of her, the world. And because, you know, it's just a, you know, it's just everywhere. So I see that, and um, 
and we have to start individually. You know, it's easy to point the finger and say, that church needs to do that, that church or that group of people needs to do this or that. But he's really bringing it home into our temple. We are the temple of God. Are you not the temple of God, you know, holy? And um, so we just have to clean our own house with that little tiny, tiny feather and um, that picks up the minuscule stuff and um, and repent and um, and which means turn away from it and proceed with God hand in hand. What do you think? Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Brian, just before we shift into, um, you know, I, I want to bring balance to our broadcast. I, I love what we're talking about right now. I want to stay in this flow. Uh, eventually, I want to get into some other things that are going on through uh, the prophetic lens uh, of the Word of God, what we see happening in the world. And I think you've got some special stuff to share with us today, and I think it's going to be informative um, but that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul was telling the church uh, to keep the feast, um, and he was referring to keeping that ecclesia, that corporate body, clean. And there was a man in that church that was sinning grossly, uh, not, not even Gentiles, he said, would do such things, um, having intercourse with his father's wife. And so he, he said the cleansing is to get the people, the person, out of that ecclesia. So where do you draw the line in your understanding of helping somebody that's really struggling, having major issues like this young man you talked about, if he was in the church, what, you know, the first thought would be, well, we got to get him out of here. He's terrible. Uh, he's going to ruin everything. But then there is a place where somebody is in the church and they actually will. Where do you see that line being drawn as far as church discipline or in the, in the body of Christ, um, not allowing the adversary to come in and pollute and profane the holy temple um, and then being patient with people while they're working things out. Where do, you, where do you see that line being drawn? Well, I think, you know, using the example of the young man is that he, um, he's made a little bit of progress, but his time is limited because the line is being drawn. You know, they, um, a lot of these boys that come in, they, they feel like the, the fact that they're in this place, that it's a punitive measure. And I try to explain to them that it's a blessing and that whatever, whatever worldly reason that they may be able to articulate, whether it's truancy or some criminal charge or the fact that their parents abandoned them or whatever, that, that's the surface reason, but that's not the real reason. The reason why they, they're, they're in this place is because God put them there and and God wants, and God wants to, to reach them. And it's ultimately, it's, 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 we don't want them to grow up and go to prison, but ultimately we don't want them to die and go to hell. You know, and I explain this to them. And, and, and sometimes it's some of the kids receive it and some of the kids don't. And this particular young man is just like, he's still obstinate. He's still sticking by his guns. He's still like, you know, throwing F-bombs, you know, as, as, as um, you know, instead of using other words. And, uh, you know, but but I'm looking at it like I see a shift and I'm planting seeds and I pray to God that those seeds will grow, that somewhere else, somewhere down the line, somebody else will water it, you know, and and God will, will um, bring the increase. But I don't know. And I just have to be faithful in that. And But the reality is, is like he's, he's not going to be able to stay in this place. He's going to go to another higher, higher level, a level four facility, which is like a 23-hour lockdown in 11 days. And... Um, Oh, I, I was just thinking, that's funny how Brian answered that question because, because um, honey, what, I, I don't know, um, but what I've gathered from your question is how do we approach the, the church if we see somebody in there that has sin? Is that correct? Is Pretty much, yeah. 
Okay, so this is what exactly what we were talking about this morning. We see witchcraft going on, and, and do, how do we approach it, you know? And so that's what I thought you were going to ask. Yeah. Well, so we haven't really concluded, but go ahead, share with your thoughts. Yeah, well, so what I'm saying is that there, there is a line, and we do need to, like, I speak truth to this kid every single day, you know? And Jesus said, you know, you can't plunder a strong man, a man's goods unless you first uh, uh, um, bind the strong man. And Jesus bound the strong man by speaking truth, just exactly like he bound the, de- the, the uh, Satan in the desert when he was in the desert for 40 days. So Satan accused him, tempted him, and he bound him with, with truth. And the, so, so the very first thing that we do is we speak truth. And we, if we see it, we, we say it. You know, we speak truth in love, not to condemn, you know, um, but, but uh, what Paul said, you know, that, that the spiritual man discerns all things, you know, and judges all things. And so we have a responsibility to, to speak up. And, but there is a point where we have to say, you know, uh, we cannot have fellowship with you. We cannot have fellowship with darkness. And if you don't want to be healed, well, then stay right where you're at. But we're, we're not going to come over to you and conform to your ways. You have the, the opportunity to come to our side and conform to our side. And the day is coming when the same God is going to apply the same thing to 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 all mankind on earth. It's like if you've rejected him, then, then there's, there's, there is an end point there. And so the same thing operates in the church and the same thing operates in our lives, you know? So I, I would not, I would not allow this kid to, to stay. And because really as much as I love him, and as much as I have compassion for him, I also love the other boys that are there and, and his, his continued being there and just like being, you know, just disruptive all the time is contaminating the culture of the house and it's, and it's preventing God from doing what it is that God wants to do. And so he is going to have to leave, you know, barring some divine act by God. And I think that principle applies all the way. So in the church, we need to speak truth. We can't just like, if, if someone is like in, in Corinthians where the, the man was, was having sex with a stepmother that needs to be confronted and not like, it needs to be confronted directly in love. You can't do that. You can't do that here. And if you're going to continue to do that here, well, then you're not going to be able to be a part of our, our group, our congregation or whatever. And if you go out and you want to repent, well, then there's a process where you can be restored. But we can't just stand here and tolerate it. The leaven has got to be swept out. Because if the people are crying for revival and things like that, and that is not going to happen in this leaven-filled body that we've got. <clears throat> No, I totally agree with that. In fact, I want to just go and look at the scripture just down the road. Uh, let's see if we can get it. It's in First Corinthians chapter 5. And in verse, uh, if I started reading in verse 9, here's what it looks like. And I wrote unto you in an epistle. Now, this is, this is Paul, the overseer of the church, the apostle of God, the bishop, whatever he was and everything he was. I uh, say not to company with fornicators. So he's telling the church, don't, come, don't keep company with fornicators, yet not all together with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must you need to go out of the world. He's just talking about the unredeemed world. But now I have written unto you, and let's see what, how this, this is in the church now, okay? I've written unto you not to keep company, not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, sexually immoral. I guess that would cover all the ground of premarital sex and masturbation and pornography and everything you could imagine, uh, in my understanding of the word fornicator, or covetous. You know, if there's any brother that's covetous, uh, desiring what other people have at any level, 
uh, or whatever else that the depth of that word is, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. And I just kind of, you know, looked at this word, the extortioner part of it, and I thought, okay, well, what are we dealing with here? And the extortioner is the uh, the Greek word, the harpax, and it means ravenous, a robber, a uh, somebody that has um, just got such a gluttonous desire, uh, ravenous desire. Do we see that in the church? What about the covetous spirit? Is there anybody there, you know, that people are, uh, the fornicator, for example, that is the pornos. That's where we get the word porno or pornography from. Uh, a man who prostitutes his body uh, to another's lust for hire. A male prostitute, it talks about, um, in, in unlawful sexual intercourse. You know, it covers all these base sexual depravities, and then we get into, and again, this is what all all these people were, but Paul's trying to straighten it out, saying, hey, if anybody's doing this now that they're born again, now that they're in the church, uh, what does he say here? He says, no, don't even eat with one. And you just wonder, you know, are there drunkards in the church? Are there extortioners? Are there railers? Are there idolaters? Are there covetous people? Are there sexually moral people? And, and, and that's, that's a funny thing about our society today because it appears that these things do exist, and yet are we ignoring biblical instruction to maintain a fellowship um, because everything's working good? I mean, how does that, how does that work? Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 think, I, I mean, I think it depends on, on the individual body because there's some places where it's just – it's absolutely rampant, and you see some of the, you know, the big-name uh, uh, worshipers and things like that that have fallen in recent years and big-name pastors who have been, you know, implicated with, uh, with pornography and sex trafficking. And, uh, and so it's, it, it's, it, it, I think it, this is an instruction really for the individual body, you know. And so it's like, at, at, like in the body of Christ in our church, as far as I can tell, it, it's not – been tolerated because it's not being tolerated and that's because it's been openly addressed and there are people that were part of the church that are gone now as a result of it you know and um you know and when the last incident the pastor just the pastor stood up and he spoke in front of the entire church and he addressed it openly in love you know but but uh he addressed it openly and he exposed it very very clearly so it was his best friend yeah praise god yeah, so while there, awesome. there, there are people, there are people that do that and and and, and cover it over, and uh, I think it just depends on the individual body. And that's, but I think that for the body of Christ, that I think it's like sweeping out the leaven is like, I mean, we know the the bold faced sins that we you know prioritize, and even the Bible does, you know, it just calls out. But there's you know there's always a deeper level of repentance, you know, and I and I think when we're those of us that are really honestly pursuing God and really, really want his will, it's, it's, um, it, it's, um, it, it's the hidden things that we're, we're not aware of in our own hearts, you know. And I think that uh, and I think just in the, in the past, you know, when I first went onto the mission field, I kind of bought onto this, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? I bought this sort of like it's a marketing scheme, basically, that a lot of ministries have, and, it's called, and they call people world changers. And if you do a quick... Google cursory Google search of just world changers. You come up with all these ministries and world changers and people who change the world and world changer, world changer. And everybody's using this word world changer. And it's, 
And God just really showed, convicted me, um, you know, a long time ago, really, of like, it's basically, it's narcissism. And, and I think a lot of times what happens in the body of Christ is, you know, we're pursuing him, allegedly, but so much of, especially with the younger generation here, millennials and like uh, certain charismatic streams, where it's like what I see is people are worshiping their own reflection in God's eyes as they imagine it, so much so that they don't actually see God himself. And the more, the more we... Um, the more I pursue God, the more I get to know God, the more I see him in his word, the, the more insignificant I become. You know, John said, you know, I must become less so he can become more, you know, he could become greater. And, and, you know, that's a principle that is as we know God and, his, and just how great he is, the, the more we should feel less and insignificant. In today's culture, Christian culture, charismatic culture, it's everybody's amazing, just amazing. You're amazing. Oh, you're just so amazing. Everybody's amazing. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm not. He's amazing, <laughs> but I'm not amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, for instance, when I go in and I work with this kid, sometimes I sort of laugh because, not because I'm laughing at him or laughing at the situation or anything, but it's just because I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is not me. <laughs> you know, this is not me. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, I, I go to work and, like, you know, I, I've been getting, like, a lot of – because we have cameras and all the supervisors watch everything on cameras and things like that, and there there's microphones, so they hear everything that's going on, you know, and I get all these accolades and praise now, and and it's like the temptation is there to, like, to take that on and say, oh, yeah, wow, I'm really doing a great job and everything like that. But it's like I'm, like, I'm so, so very, very, very aware that it's the Spirit of God, it's Jesus working inside me, that, and, and I'm getting out of the way, and I'm becoming less, and he's becoming mm-hmm. more. And that's the reason why, why it's working. And so I think there's just our culture, we are so narcissistic. And, of course, the word narcissism comes from the Greek uh, character Narciss, Narcissus, who saw his reflection in a pool of water and fell in love with it, Right. And, and it's just so easy to become, we're wired and we're conditioned to become self-obsessed. And even like Facebook algorithms, you know, if I, I pour my heart and soul out into a blog, you know, and I get a few views and comments and likes and things like that and whatever, I mean, I don't care. But I'm, I'm really appalled at the fact that if we change our profile picture, you know, we get like at least three times, you know, like 300 300 likes and comments and oh you guys are amazing and blah 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 and it's like I'm at the point now where I almost want to vomit <laughs> when I see it you know because it's just like we need to get our eyes on him and when I take it back I think we take it all the way back to to um, in, in Genesis when when Adam and Eve sinned and they ate the fruit and their eyes were open and the very first thing that happened is their eyes went from God, with whom they fellowshiped and walked with every single day. They went, their eyes went from God exclusively to themselves, and they realized they were naked. And we've been self-obsessed ever since then. Mm-hmm. And so I think I really see a lot of the leaven that needs to be swept out is um, out of our lives is this tendency to just to be so self-absorbed and so self-focused. When, in the name of Jesus, you know, Obviously, we've got the world that's, like, totally conditioned to do it, but in the name of Jesus, it's so easy to become self-absorbed about, about what I'm doing, what we're doing. And, um, yeah, so. And you can, you can actually experience the same kind of confidence and, and love and embrace the joy of the, you know, the, the, your life 
because of what God is doing. It's just directing all that yeah. worship to him. I don't think God wants us to walk around, you know, Maricopa beating ourselves and, and hating ourselves. I, I, what, I'm exper- what I'm seeing in the word of God constantly in the New Testament, is when we talk about sin, we're talking about a sin nature. And the, the thing that sets Christianity or the, the truth of God apart from every other religion and philosophy in the world is that we are ex- to experience a change of nature, not a refining of the old nature. The old nature is nailed to the cross. It's dead. We're to reckon yeah. ourselves to be dead. So we are experiencing a new nature. And in that new nature, there is joy and peace and love and kindness and goodness. And it's a life of, you know, expression. It's a life of, you know, your, your, a countenance that is lit up with the glory of God and the appreciation of God and the thanksgiving of God. And you can't actually experience that when it's self-serving, when it is narcissistic and it's self-love and look at me and who I am. But if we view everything that we are in our becoming as the workmanship of Christ in our lives, we can live a very abundant, quality-filled life in Christ. And, you know, I, I feed off of what you just said, uh, that humility, that brokenness, that reality that there is nothing good in our human nature, nothing good in our flesh. There's nothing that is good about it. And uh, until we get that, um, we have to be constantly reminded, don't feed on your, your successes, your good, your, what people flatter you with or say about you. And it is quite a challenge. Great word. I love it. Yeah. I May just God have help us all. Add on, yeah. <laughs> I just had something quick to add on First uh, Corinthians where you're talking in verse 9. But if you back up and he says, you know, he talks about um, purge out, therefore, the, oh, know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed with us. And then he tells us to keep the feast. But, like, there it is right there. You know, all those things you listed, you know, that's leaven in the church. The fornicator, the covetous guy, the idolater, the railer, the drunkard, the extortioner. And I think we, we tend to overlook them because we want to be perhaps friends with the world. And God says, if you're a friend with the world, you're an enemy of mine. Yeah, well, you're exactly right. Um, You know, this was a big conversation years ago. Well, you know, we were preaching against homosexuality, lesbianism, you know, these gross sins of drug abuse and pornography. Well, a friend came up and and we were talking about, well, what about the, the sin of pride? What about pride? Isn't that one of the things that God calls an abomination, the things that he hates? And so pride and arrogance and jealousy and envy... These things are the hidden sins of the heart that if they're not dealt with, they can corrupt the entire package, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah and pride and narcissism are very much connected. So, yeah. Okay. So if there's anybody listening left, I think they're feeding big on the Word of God. And I don't, I'm saying that jokingly. I think this is the, the word that people need to be feeding on and – uh, I love the fact that the Bible is very clear and the Spirit of God is the, the ability to get it done, that we can be new creatures in Christ Jesus, that we're no longer obligated 
to live out of the old human nature that is corrupt. And that's why Paul kept saying, put off the old man, put on the new man, put on the new nature, put it on. So that's something we're responsible to do and not excuse the fact, well, I'm just stuck in my human nature. No, you're not. And you're not Mm -hmm. obligated to it. You don't have to serve it. There's a new way of life that's much better than that selfish, self-centered life because it only produces the fruits of death. It's really ugly when you think about it. And I think we've all had our part in it. And God forbid there's anything left. And if there is, may God get it out of us um, to bring us to that place of nothing but Jesus. And we know where the glory goes. Um, Brian and Kathy, with that being said, it's uh, we're kind of a few minutes after 10 o'clock. Um, just looking through the biblical lens of prophecy, Brian, do you see things going on um, in the world right now that are kind of important to inform people that they should be seeing or, you know, uh, maybe an, an understanding of things that are happening um, that would help us to further prepare or to become convinced that we are in the times that we're saying that we're in? Yeah, I think that, um, I think everything, everybody, including the White House, the World Health Organization, all other branches of the UN, uh, even the the World Economic Forum, which is probably the the author of it, but everybody's talking about famine, global famine. And it's, it's, uh, I don't know what else you'd need to hear to to understand that that's coming. It's, um, it's, uh, it's coming, you know, and Matthew, the, I look at Matthew 24 primarily to see what things are lining up. You've got wars and rumors of wars, but you've got uh, right now you've got uh, everybody seems to be poking each other, trying to like uh, be the big big man on the block. It's almost like a, a prison culture, the home that I work in, where you know you've got all the boys want to kind of grandstand. Nobody wants to be perceived as being the weaker version, so they poke and then they poke back, and and uh, you've got the um, You've got the U.S. kind of provoking China by drive, by running a destroyer through the Straits of Taiwan. Um, you've got uh, the Russian uh, Ministry of Defense, the head of the Russian Ministry of Defense, who just said this morning, I think, or last night, he said, basically, uh, NATO is at war with Russia, and we're very much at the risk of a third world war and a nuclear exchange. Um, you've got Israel, who has been, has been periodically bombing uh, Iranian installations, Iranian weapons depots, and things like that in in uh, in Damascus, and of course Damascus is 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 kind of a one of the canaries in the coal mine for us to keep our eyes on because in Isaiah 17:1 it says that Damascus was destroyed, and Damascus is the oldest um, uh, and, and permanently populated city that's never been destroyed or uh, it's always been in existence. And so when when Damascus is destroyed, that's going to be uh, kind of a sign that we are really it's on the 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 tribulation is on and um yeah i mean and and and, uh russia is they either technically have or they are in the process of getting ready to invade um, moldova which borders um, both ukraine and romania we have a lot of friends in romania missionary friends in romania and um you know of course romania is where richard wormbram is from and he he wrote Tortured for Christ and, and is the founder of um, 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 Voice of the Martyrs. And so, um, yeah, everything is just, you know, every time everybody thinks something is going to, you know, everything's going to settle down, it's like, well, no, it's it's not going to settle down. Sometimes you, you have the eye of the hurricane that comes in, 
and it seems like everything is quiet and peaceful and you think the storm is over, but really the back end, the worst end, the worst is still to come. And I think we're kind of in an eye of the hurricane. And then meanwhile, the world is completely absorbed in the most ridiculous things like Elon Musk is buying Twitter, which is yay. It's like now it's like maybe Donald Trump's going to get on Twitter again and everything's going to be wonderful now. But Elon Musk is a complete total globalist and he's married to Grimes, uh, um, uh, a, a, a self-proclaimed witch, and she's a rapper, you know, it's into all kinds of crazy occult things. And, um, and then I think most of the rest of the world is absorbed and sounds like they're absorbed in the Johnny Depp trial or lawsuit or whatever, him and his, his ex-wife just airing their, all their most filthy laundry that could possibly be aired. You know, it's just, uh, I saw about 30 seconds of it and it's just disgusting, but everybody's absorbed in that. And so, yeah, I mean, people are going crazy and, and the world is getting crazier. We're in the end times. I don't know what you need to, uh, more you would need to convince you but and i would imagine that the citizens of russia knowing what's going on here many of them are making their way to their underground shelters uh that's one of the Mm -hmm. most uh prepared people i think for that and you know the weapons that satan 2 rocket uh and those supersonic missiles that russia has when those things start flying uh, i guess we could expect a suddenly lights out experience Uh, amos chapter 8 uh verse 9 god will darken the earth in the clear day um, you know, so there, everything seems like you said. I think that's a perfect analogy, uh, the eye of the storm. And it is clear. And it, it, we had so, a lot of stuff happening moments ago. And now it looks brilliant. But coming behind it is the double portion of this particular wave of judgment that's hitting the nation. Now we're moving into the realm of uh, food shortages, high prices, famine possible, and war. And who knows, even Fauci's talking about more pestilence, Right. Oh, yeah. And Bill, you know, they've been talking about the about a hemorrhagic fever, sort of a, a weaponized form of uh, Ebola and smallpox combined. They've been talking. Bill Gates and 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 Fauci have been talking about that for you know months back. They, they mentioned that. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's the question is, is, is how do we respond? You know, and I think some of us are. Some of us are kind of like in the role of Joseph, where it's like tasked with preparing for for what's coming, you know. And um, and some of us are kind of more in the role of Daniel, where it, it, it's um, you know we're going to have to be you know in the fire, but God will be with us, preserving us that way. You know, He's going to preserve He's going to preserve the woman, like it talks about in Revelation 12. You know, it's just I don't think it's going to look the same same for everybody. But the key is is like. You better know, you better have a really solid relationship with the Lord, and you better be able to hear his voice, and you better be able to discern what his will is for your life. And, again, you know, it comes right back to, like, the, the only thing that's really in the way is uh, is the leaven in our lives right now. We've got to get that out. You know, as you're talking, uh, a, a familiar um vision or, or, or picture you know, comes into my mind, and I, I just saw it again. Uh, it is kind of what you've been calling the eye of the storm. And I see a woman uh, laid out in travail, and she's had some pretty heavy birth pangs. And then there's these pauses, and I kind of sense that we're in the midst of a pause. And I, I, I see that massive pang coming, and suddenly she is in excruciating pain with this next level of the birth pang. 
And, you know, this is a biblical description. This is how God describes it over and over and over again, like a woman in travail. And I really sense that something all around us, like you sense, and I think a lot of other people, that next pang is coming. But it's amazing to me that with every pause, people take that and interpret that as, hey, everything's normal again. You know what? There is no real birthing going on. There is nothing coming. Look how good everything is. And then, you know, you get this swell of people coming out saying, all right, now this is the time we're going to take the reins of power. We're going to put their, just in the middle of a pause of the birth pains. Why yeah. is it so, why is that, Brian, that people see things that way? I think it's what's called normalcy bias, which is a, you know, is a logical fallacy. It's like people, it was Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Young, I guess, that, that had to say, one of the songs that said, a man sees what he wants to see and he disregards the rest. You know, and that's basically how most people go through their lives. You know, they're just uh, they're just living in oblivion. They want they want comfort and they want pleasure, and lot their lot most people's lives are organized around that. And even even working, so many people are you know spend their entire lives you know buying paying for insurance against some kind of calamity, and then they're working for retirement, which is really working to offset the inevitable suffering that comes in old age. And then they get like, they work, 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 and then they get, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years that they're lucky to enjoy what they retire for. And, and it's just, uh, I mean, it's, it's, people are just oblivious and they're, they're born into a world that's oblivious and they're taught to be oblivious. And, and now we, you know, we have the media, which has just got people in complete total oblivion, you know. It's like a person's entire self-esteem, you know, especially for millennials and Gen Z, is the, the number of likes they get on a Facebook post, a picture of themselves, you know. And so, um, yeah, we're just, we're really just really, really, really deep into the deception. So, <clears throat> wow, what an amazing, an amazing answer that was. All right, so, okay. So this is, this is a, a moment that Jesus predicted out of his word that in the last days there would be great deception. So what is happening is not just kind of something, it is literally spoken and prophetically declared would be in the last days. And everything that was spoken concerning these days were in it. And he said it would be filled with deceiving spirits and deceptions and what do people need to do? And I know there's some basic things people can do to keep their head above the waters, reading your Bible. By the way, I want to just uh, mention what Melissa said here. Pastor Melissa from South Dakota wrote and said, Jesus said to go and sin no more. Going back to our earlier conversation. Yes, he met people where they were, where they were, but he expected them to change their lifestyle. Amen. Often the church is looked at as judgmental because we don't tolerate sin, but also the church is called hypocritical because members don't always look any different from the world. The hyper-grace message says let sin enter the church and accept people as they are, but there needs to be a heart change and turning away from sin. Sin has permeated the church because churches... And then there's just a few little dots on there. I think that was well-written. Um, when does this boil Amen. down? Yeah, go ahead. Speak into that. I was going to just ask, when does this boil down to, you know, all this conversation, all the climate that we're in right now? When does it boil down to a person getting their heart right with God personally 
and then being in fellowship with others that are getting their heart right in the same direction. Well, I'm just calling for it every day, you know, in prayer. And um, it could happen right now, this second, any moment. And there's an opportunity. It's just like if they're breathing, it can happen. And, um, and, uh, but, you know, just praying for that uh, gift of repentance that God would shine on them, uh, you know, and show where uh, they need to cut that off any kind of sin and turn from it. But well, I think it's just, we, we need it, what we need the spirit of repentance to fall. There's a Roland Baker's fa- grandfather, H.A. Baker was a, was a uh, um, missionary in China. And interestingly, he has a, a, a connection to David Wilkerson in that David Wilkerson in his early days was kind of like, he was kind of at his wits end and, and running out of money and didn't know what he was going to do. And he got this, mysterious check in the mail for like a really large amount. I forgot what the amount was, but it was like a lot. 18,000. I think. Yeah. And and the person was, it was from H.A. Baker, who was the missionary in China, who was Roland Baker's um, um, grandfather. grandfather. And, you know, Roland and Heidi Baker, the, they're the founders of Irish ministries, which is the base that's planted here. And, and um, you know, and, but one of the most powerful things when, when H.A. Baker got to China, he didn't really like, he wanted to be a missionary, but he didn't really know how to do it. And it was, everything was just dead and it just seemed like pointless. And so he actually took up photography for a while. He was just running around taking pictures of birds and things like that, you know, and they, they had this school and, and kind of like a home, sort of like what we have with all these just kind of like really bad snapping turtle boys and, and uh, they were orphans. Yeah. And they just, um, and then they're all like thieves and I mean, still just criminal delinquents, you know, and then, and that it didn't happen to the teachers that were there, but the spirit of repentance just fell one day, and you had all these boys under the desk crying and screaming, screaming the fear of God fell on them, and they just were all repenting. And it was just like this amazing transformation that took place, not because of what people were doing, not because of missionaries doing something, but in spite of them, you know. And I think that that's ultimately what we need to have happen here. And, of course, the things that bring those things about usually have to do with calamity and tribulation, pressure, right? And, yeah, um, yeah and, um, and, but I think that the, the thing that we, we need to do is, is we have a lot of demonic stuff that's going on all over, you know. And in fact, again, back to the house, the home that I'm working at, we, it's, a, it's, a, it's run by a church, but it's, you know, got a lot of uh, a secular control in that the Department of Children's Services, Child Welfare and whatnot, dictates a lot of what the policies are, what the rights that children have are. One of the, so we have, like, literally, there's, I mean, there are bedrooms where kids see demons and things like that, and, uh, and uh, the, the, the kinds of behaviors that come out are overtly demonic. Some kids are just clearly possessed. Some kids are just oppressed, you know, but there's a lot of stuff going on. And they call pastors in and they, you know, people anoint doorways with oil and all this other stuff. And it's just, you know, I told them the other day, I said, look, it's like you can do this until you turn blue in the face. But it, until, you, until you close the door, you know, you can, until you close the gate into, from, into which the, the, the demons are coming in from, you're wasting your time doing all this other, all this deliverance stuff. And, and, and they said, well, what do you mean? And I pointed to the TV. You know, they have Netflix and they have anime and they have all these things. And the movies now are like, I mean, they were bad when we left for the mission field, but oh my gosh, it's like 
it is absolute garbage. We don't even own a TV. We won't, you know. And so, and, and so I told them, I said, you know, the first thing that you need to do is if you want to stop this demonic stuff is cancel all those TV subscriptions and maybe, like, let them have pure flicks or something like that. But if it were up to me, I would tell everybody to just throw the stupid TV out. My dad used to call it an idiot box, you know, and it turned the world into idiots. <laughs> he was right. He was right. My cousin used to call it the one-eyed beast. <laughs> the mother used to call beast. it the one-eyed babysitter. <laughs> the one-eyed babysitter, right. Yeah, we've had that conversation, too, about parents just too lazy to raise their kids, so they put them in front of a TV and let the TV raise them. Um, yeah. You've got to be careful what we're watching and listening to, no doubt about it. Okay, so we've got six minutes left here. I'd like you guys to just say to the people that are tuned in and listening right now uh, your final thoughts and what you really want to say to the body of Christ right now. Well, um, I wanted to share um, a vision. I haven't gotten them very much in the last few years, but I woke up the other day, two days ago, and, and uh, I woke up, closed my eyes, and it was instantly in front of me. And it was a um, archery target. You know, they were kind of filled like a bale of hay with a right. with a um, bullseye and stuff on it. So it was. This was all within like two seconds. It was there, and then like thousands of arrows were going right into it, hitting the whole target. Not just the bullseye, but the whole target. Not one arrow went beyond it or missed it. And then I just, I'm like, oh, okay. So, and then I thought. Okay, sin means missing the mark. So all these arrows are hitting the mark, right? And then I went back to sleep. An hour later, I wake up, I open my eyes and then shut them, and then there's that same target. Now it's floating above in the sky, turned on its side, and um, the light of God, like God light from like a sunset, are, are just beaming down in one area through the target. Like the light of God just came down like on a place on earth or something. And so that was it. And I think it speaks to, um, you know, repentance and, and cleaning house and getting clean and, and separation, holiness, consecration. And then God can pull, work through that and um, his people. And, and since it was just like this God light, like a ray of light, right, a bright ray of like this white light came down through that um, in a specific area, you know, I don't know what that area was, but, like, then that's those little pockets that God's going to work through, you know. We need to clean ourselves up, separate us from the world, you know, and then let God do his work. That's what I, I believe that vision spoke. It was kind of instantly, and maybe there's a lot more. I don't know. But So I just encourage everybody, like we've been talking, just, you know, to uh, just get before the Lord and continually ask him to uh, show us where we can uh, – you know, fluff off, stuff off the um, anything that's not of Him that is in the world. You know, too much of this, too much of that. You know, it's. I think we've gone astray because you ask why do, why is it so hard for people to see the truth and see that, you know, that things aren't going to go well in the near future with this famine and what's coming, possibly war. And it's because they're so used to. They like the way of the world. They like their life, but, and, and they've set aside the scriptures. And we're so used to the world in us. We've got to come out of the world, come out of the world. And he's been saying this, with, you know, it's been in his word for thousands of years. And what have we done? We've let the world come in us, and we've laid the scriptures aside. I mean, maybe not all of us, but I don't even know of them, but it's easy to do, you know, living life on this earth. We're, 
we're in, we're on this, wait, how's it go? We're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so that's what we need to ask for ourselves with God. Show us, where are we, where has the world gotten in this? Where can we break it off? Amen. Amen. Great exhortation. Thank you for that, Kathy. Uh, Brian, mm-hmm. some thoughts that you'd like to share with the body? Yeah, we um, we listen. We like to kind of some get a pulse of what's going on with the with the body of Christ, and we listen to this. Uh, it was like a another one of those prophetic conferences where all these prophetic guys, alleged prophetic guys that I would call false prophets, Jeremiah fourteen, Jeremiah twenty three, false prophets talking about. It started out pretty good, and then it just went into – it became just kind of like a political campaigning ad, you know, and we're just like, oh, my gosh. But then Heidi Baker was the last was the last speaker that came on, you know, and um, and she just said, you know, after listening to all the political campaigning and, and whatnot, she just said, you know, something. It's like I come from Mozambique where, you know, it's, it's a country that's been plagued by famine and wars and storms. And it's like every time they get there, they start to get their head above water. Something comes in and just squashes them. And these people are just completely broken. And now we have now we have Al-Shabaab in there and people are being beheaded. And it's like they're the, the pastors in their own church, the people that they the pastors that they've trained and, and ordained and, and sent out out into the villages and whatnot have been murdered and their children have been raped and murdered and 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 she said you know something it's just like it just when you're in that situation it just gets to the point where it's just the only thing that you can focus on is jesus and she said you know esther when esther was going to went up against mordecai before she went to um um you know to see the king and, and address the king Everybody told her, you know, it's like you're, you're, you're going to die. She prepared herself, you know, she fasted and she prayed. And then ultimately it's like God had told her to go and, and speak to the king uh, on the behalf of the Jews. And, and, and she just said, you know, if I die, I die. And that's it. And her, her entire focus is, is on Jesus and, and being obedient to his word. And, and at the end of the day, it's like we're, we watch and we pay attention and we proclaim the signs because God's telling us to do that. But at the end of the day, the message is, it's like, draw close to him. Draw close to him now because we don't know what's going to happen. But we've got to have, no matter what it is, we've got to have the attitude that I'm going to do God's will as best as I possibly can. I'm going to be obedient to God. And if I live, I live. And if I die, I die. Either way. But I want to make sure that I'm as close to him and as obedient to him as I can possibly be. Amen. Amen. And that just absolutely brings everything into center right there. And uh, that's perfect. And the scripture I would leave this broadcast with today is, uh, she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and I'm no widow. It will see no sorrow. But in one day, one hour, your trouble will come. And that's a paraphrase to Jeremiah, the book of Revelation. I think sometimes people look at our world and say it's too big to be conquered. And I would remind people that uh, you're a moment away. From all the wealth, all the success, read Revelation 18, God has prescribed uh, an ability to be able to take all the great wealth of a great nation that seems impenetrable and turn it upside down in a moment, Isaiah chapter 24. And to draw near to Jesus in the day that we're living in is the safest place for our eternal soul. And by the way, um, just for those of you that need prayer for anything, there's a number on the screen, 479-233-3774. 
Make sure you call that number. There are some prayer warriors on the other side that can intercede for you and pray for whatever your needs may be. And we praise God for them. Brian and Kathy, as always, you guys are a refreshing stream. And I love you. And the body loves you. And the people here continue to say, when are we going to see them? And I say, I don't know when we're going to see them, when God wants us to see them. <laughs> but um, we really do look forward to uh, looking at you guys in the eyes real soon. So thanks Amen. for joining me. Yeah, we Thank love you. you. We be love blessed. you. Yeah, we love you too. Be blessed. Get about your day. And have a blessed time. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian and Kathy, shalom. We love you guys. Shalom. All right, we'll be talking with them again, and um, we may have lost it on our uh, blog talk radio right now. I've got a call coming in. Let me just see if we can take that call and if it's being recorded. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning. You know, when Brian, yeah, when Brian was talking about the young man he's dealing with, the Lord brought that scripture to my mind about Paul the Apostle. He says, pluck them out of the fire. And that's what we have to do. There are people that are bound by Satan, and we cannot give up on them if the Lord has led us to them. And we must speak God's deed. That is a rich, rich admonition. That's called balance right there. Pulling them out of the fire, hating their garments stained with flesh. Wow. Very good, Sister Kathy. Boy, it sounds like you're an elder. You've been around a long time, and you knew exactly how to put that in there. That's perfect. Well, praise the Lord. And uh, another thing that uh, this is for the whole body of Christ, and I, I really examined myself after the Lord gave me this scripture. Revelations 22:11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Mm-hmm. You examine yourself before God. Where are you? Because these are the four categories we're going to end up in. And in the end, the holy, according to God's word, are going to see God. Because it says without holiness, no man shall see God. And Jesus Christ is the king, and he will return again. So we need to really, like Brian and Kathy were saying, and yourself and others, Get close to God and uh, give up the things that are not pleasing to God. That's it. God bless. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for that admonition and that call. Uh, Okay, folks, thanks for tuning in tomorrow. Pastor Jeff Bass is going to join me. He's got some things to share with us that I think are very, very important. Um, What we talked about today, most important, obviously, our salvation. And the things that we'll be hearing tomorrow will be, Um, connected to what we're, it's just an extension of everything we do on this radio broadcast. Uh, Again, that number for prayer is on the screen, 479-233-3774. We appreciate your prayers. We thank God for those of you as we're coming to the end of the month that would be willing to share with this ministry. We've sown spiritual things and uh, to reap your gifts would be a great blessing. Remember, there are different ways that you can give into this ministry if you feel led to do so. And that is you can go to the website nwmglobal.org and go to the donations tab. You could also 
uh, give by giving a gift to P.O. Box 100. You can mail it in, P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. You could also go to Omega Radio, omegaradio.org, and there's a donations tab there as well. And you can also actually text in your giving, uh, which is simply by going to, uh, when you go to the text, you type in 41088-OMEGA. 41088-OMEGA, all one word, lowercase with the letters, 41088-OMEGA, and then you type in the word GIVE. That's another way to do it. We thank you as we come to the end of the month. It's going to bring a lot of great support for our continued movement. So, again, we'll see you tomorrow. Stay the course. God bless you. Be blessed. And I pray that the word of God that was presented today is a rich benefit and blessing to your life. It is the 11th day of the counting of the Omer. We should have expectation for the next great feast, Shavuot. We're going to talk more about that again. Have a blessed day for those at New Wine Ministries. Again, we will be regathering on Saturday evening, and we're certainly looking forward to that. And then we'll be gathering Sunday and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the following week as well. So until we meet again, shalom and God bless everybody, and thanks for tuning in. We love you. Have a blessed day.